Okay. Hello, Noam. Good to see you. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon. Uh, depending where you are, Danny here, uh, based in California. I see a lot of Hebrew speakers on the uh, session. I speak in English because this is open to the public. We have people from different backgrounds, different areas, different locations joining us. Hence, you know, in a live and you know, and open to the public. And hence, we're doing it in English. Hello, Chagai. Good to see you. Um, this session, we hold it every Friday at 11 p.m. Pacific time. You are most welcome to join us on the live. You are most welcome to join us on one of the recording sessions. Because once we record it, we post it on, um, um, on, on a podcast. It also goes on YouTube. So it's right here on Facebook. And it's right here on YouTube and it's right here on another device being recorded as an audio for the podcast. So once we're done, you can consume, you can uh, get this information on different channels. By all means, the whole point of this session is to engage with you investors, potential investors, get your questions, um, you know, and, and maybe help you uh, invest in uh, real estate, um, whether you do it by yourself or you're going to work with us. That we will uh, obviously like that a lot. Uh, I'm Danny and I've been in real estate investing for many, many years. I've started investing uh, in 2002 while still living in Tel Aviv, Israel. And um, hi, Barry. I will uh, thank you. Um, and I moved to the States in 2004 after doing maybe two or three small investments in U.S. real estate. And since 2004, I have helped, uh, I have continued to invest myself. I have helped others, uh, uh, you know, invest as well. Um, just this past week, I sold another property uh, that I just get fed up with. So I got rid of it, luckily, and I, met, I still made some money. The week before, we sold another property, a flip property in Chicago. A very, very nice deal. One of the nicer deals that I have. Um, so we are active, you know, individually. I'm an active investor. Um, I work with other investors, helping them to invest. And this session is not about a sales pitch about myself, as much as uh, that would be nice to do. It's more about engaging uh, about real estate investment. So feel free to ask questions regarding the topic, hopefully regarding real estate investing. Uh, post questions, ask questions, you know, if you're listening to the recording, uh, suggest ideas for topics, suggest, uh, uh, bring your own uh, concerns or things related to real estate investing. I am focused on U.S. real estate investing, primarily rental properties. We may talk a little bit about, um, about flips as well. Okay, I want to talk about today's topic. Today's topic, which I bring, you know, every week I bring a topic or almost every week I bring a topic. Um, um, we're going to talk about why setting up your investment plan and your base, baseline criteria, two separate things, it's so important. So let's separate the, the topic into two parts, investment plan and uh, baseline criteria. Now, what do I mean by investment plan? Not something, um, you know, daunting. For me, see, I, I, I work with a lot of investors and I see two, primarily two types. I see the type who says, I want to invest, and they just go about it, which is fine. And they just maybe buy one or two or more, or slowly accumulate property without a clear path where they're going. Uh, sometimes that path of where they're heading may not come until they actually own one property, at least one property. 
because the first property many times is the one that it's the biggest hurdle, the biggest unknown. And only once they own one and maybe get used to it and see that it works and it's rented and it's generating rent and they're learning what kind of hustle and uh, uh, what kind of noise comes with it, they are more ready to say, okay, now I know it works. I believe in the method. I believe in the system. I believe in the process. I know it's working. I can actually start you know, moving in a more clear direction. Let's say I want to buy X number of properties. Some investors that I, that I meet with are a little bit more analytical. They come and say, okay, here's my plan. In 10 years, 15 years, I want to be able to generate that much amount of cash flow. Let's just say in 15 years, I want to be able to generate that much amount of cash flow. I, I know real estate is a good answer how to accomplish it. I'm just not sure how to go about it. And then we go backwards and say, okay, here's what you want to accomplish. Let's take that. Let's say you want to be able to generate $5,000 uh, uh, every month. Uh, passive in 15 years, okay? So that means, let's just keep it simple. That means we need five houses, you need to buy four to five houses, and in 15 years get to the point that they are paid off, so there's no mortgage, free and clear, and when that rent comes in, you know, and have some, and the rent covers some, you know, fixed expenses, the net uh, uh, income from four to five houses become, let's just say five houses, becomes uh, uh, $5,000 you know, a month after all the expenses. So that means you're probably gonna rent it for, you know, let's say uh, 13, 14, 1500, some expenses, and then the net, uh, the net uh, uh, cash flow per property is 1,000 times five houses, you know, $5,000 a month, right? This is not something horrific, you know, such, you know, this number of houses, we're probably talking about $150,000 home-ish, uh, times five, that makes it what? A uh, million and a uh, million dollar, or are we talking about 150 times five? Uh, um, $750,000 worth of asset. If you don't have the cash to buy, you know, the $750,000 cash, then you're just going to go with the mortgage. We get a mortgage, and then uh, let's just say we need 25% of that. Um, so you need about, you know, about $200,000 to do that. Even if you don't have that, who says you have to do it all right now, right? You don't have to do it immediately. And you can say, okay, let me start with one, get one, then save up, buy the next one. Uh, uh, thank you, Daniel. Uh, um, get another one, uh, you know, save up, buy the third, and, and so on. Um, so even if you, if you can't buy five at the moment, uh, um, then that's fine. Don't worry about it. You can actually build to that point. If you're saying $2,000 is enough for me, maybe two properties is enough for you, that's okay too. It's better than nothing, obviously. The whole point, what I'm trying to say is, when you have a clear plan, that's, that's the essence of what I'm trying to say. When you have a clear plan where you're heading, then you're gonna, it, it will help you stay focused because there's noise in the system. There are things that are gonna be a hurdles. I, I've been doing real estate for, for 15, 16 years. Um, Sometimes everything goes pretty much according to the plan. Many times there are things that come up. For example, just now I can tell you that I have one house that I need to replace a septic tank. It's a $15,000 expense uh, on a septic tank, uh, you know, un unplanned. I have another roof that I have to replace on another house. You know, the insurance is paying for it. The septic tank will be covered, hopefully half of it by the insurance. Um, so uh, those are the type of things that come up when you own properties that are unexpected. It's annoying, but you have to see the bigger picture. And to make sure, hang on one second, please. And to make sure, um, and to make sure that you're, uh, um, 
that you are not losing sight of the plan to get to X number of properties because those properties, when you get to that point in your life, they will start paying off. So when you're building equity, when you're building your portfolio in a way you are working for the properties. You're not working full-time for the properties, but you are working for the properties. At some point later, the properties are going to be paying off, paid off, and they're going to you know, work for you more. So it's like, who's working for whom more, right? You're not working for the properties at the moment, but they, you know, there are issues, there are problems, there are tenants, there are things wear and tear. You got to remember that you know, when you're dealing with real estate, but if you have the plan, you're not going to get discouraged by the noise of of that those issues it's annoying but you have to learn to accept it and when you have the plan you're very much uh, focused hang on one second please sorry about that just want to make sure I have uh, quiet um, then that helps you uh, staying focused knowing what to do stick to the plan seeing the bigger picture and you take it from there so that's what I uh, what I say why it's so important to have a plan and I'm not saying it's got to be goal-oriented. It's got to be, X, you know, just a general vision. You know what? Let's not call it plan. Call it a vision. Where you're heading and why you're heading there. How many properties you need and why. And when you know that, you will very much not get discouraged or distracted by the ongoing uh, aspect of, you know, of owning real estate. Because, you know what? It's not, you know, there is noise in the system. There is trouble. There is not trouble. There is uh, things going on. And you have to have the stamina, you have to have the, you need to have the, the, the resilience to get to the point where you're seeing the bigger picture and not the small details along the way, because they can actually, you know, uh, discourage you from moving forward. So that's what I wanted to say about investment plan. Maybe we should call it a vision, a vision for yourself, not for your, uh, not for your properties, why you're doing it, what do you need, how many properties you need, and you follow that vision and start execu executing according to that vision. So the vision is the direction, execution is the actual type of properties, how many properties, where to buy, and so on and so forth, okay? If you have any questions regarding this part before we move to the second part, please post them. Uh, if you have questions that are not necessarily uh, related to this and they're related to real estate investing, obviously you can post them as well. The second thing I wanted to say is maybe you know, the next level, if we go from the vision and the execution, it's more related to the execution. It's what I call the baseline criteria. What do I mean by baseline criteria? See, a lot of us, when if we don't have the ba baseline criteria, is, is saying here is the minimum features or the minimum aspect of a real estate investment that I'm looking for. And when a property matches or exceeds those uh, threshold criteria, it will help me make a decision should I purchase that property or not. For example, purchase price, uh, you know, type of property, single-family home, townhome, condo, whatever, land, um, bedrooms, bathrooms, minimum number of bedrooms, minimum ba uh, number of bathrooms, minimum garage if at all, uh, minimum square footage, maybe lot size, year, cash flow, price. See, this is all very trivial for all of us. But most investors don't even take a few minutes and just say, let's create that outline. I want to have those 10, 11, 12, 7 criterias that when I see a property and I can match it with my criteria, I can tell if it matches or not. It's like a little bit of a cheat sheet. 
to help me make the decision, right? To help me have a structure when looking at a property. If you're the type of person who just looks at the map or the photos or read through the description and make a decision, probably not that good. If you're the type of person who says, okay, I'm actually, I have my Excel, which I use to analyze as well, that's a little bit better. But if you actually say, okay, let's have this method of making sure, like a checklist, do I know, uh, um, is, is, the, is the year what I'm looking to have or better? Okay, is the square footage what I'm looking to have or more? Um, bedrooms, bathrooms, etc. all of those, do they match? And if they don't match, is it still something I should consider or not? For example, Let's just say I want to buy something that it's 1980 built and after, and I see a property, it's 1978. Obviously, I'm not going to necessarily rule that house completely out uh, uh, unless there are other things that I don't like. For example, if the price is higher than I'm looking for, the schools are not as good as I'm looking for. So maybe if I have multiple small red flags that each one of those red flags do not match my criteria, um, you know, one such red flag would not be a deal killer, but if I have three or four of them, I may say, you know what, although everything is not horrifically bad, still combined between three, four red flags that I'm not matching my criteria, let me just push this property off and move on to the next one, okay? So this is what I'm trying to say. When you have your baseline criteria, it's like a, it's like a little plan. It's, you know, is the property matching what you're looking for, okay? And you decide what those are, you know, what those items are, right? For example, you can say, actually, for me, it's important to know that it's built from a certain, you know, uh, material and the roof is such and such. That's okay. You can decide as many of those as you want and then try to match each one of them, right? So just keep that in mind. Uh, set it up. Most investors that I've been meeting and knowing over the years don't spend that, you know, five minutes just to, you know, to, uh, to outline it and, um, and, you know, create that criteria. So I think it's very good if you spend those few minutes, set up your criteria, and then when you start looking at properties, it helps you stay focused, stay in line, stay intact with, uh, uh, with the decision-making, okay? Um, with that said, that's what I wanted to say about those two topics. We talked about the investment plan, the vision, and the execution of it. And then we talked about setting up your baseline criteria and checking your every property that you're looking at, you know, against the baseline criteria. I am done for today with my, what I wanted to cover. I would say short and simple. Um, hello, Joe. Hi, Afit. Hi, Yuval. Good to see you guys. Um, for those of you who are Hebrew speakers, I speak in English because this is open to the public. Uh, so we do have non-Hebrew speakers here as well. Um, I am very much uh, um, um, open to, uh, uh, to questions now, if you have. So by all means... Uh, send the question, put them on the post. I'll wait for another minute. Usually it takes a little bit while until it, uh, it uh, kind of shows up. Uh, if there are any questions, if you're happy with uh, what we talked about today or you think you are, it's uh, helping you guys, uh, any likes would be appreciated. I think it's always good to, to click those likes uh, so we can get some uh, traction, get some attention. I like that. Um, and if we have no questions, we will uh, wrap up for the day. So let me... Um, wait and see if we have any questions coming in thank you Kenny appreciate it
Okay, Daniel, what is the best financial structure if intend to invest in many properties? Um, I would say you're probably asking, you know, please clarify if you're saying financial structure, you mean by mortgage versus cash, or do you mean by using it, you know, like an entity? If you can clarify, that would be uh, helpful. Thank you. LLC private entity. Gotcha. Okay, good question. Actually, uh, I had several conversations uh, this, just this week about this, this aspect. So I'm going to tell you, um, Daniel, I'm going to tell you what I think uh, from based on my experience. And it's not a clear cut you know, answer. So a couple of things here. So I think they, if I, uh, uh, and we have a session, I think even on YouTube, a whole detailed session about to LLC or not to LLC. And I think there's a lot of mis- understanding or misinterpretation of that aspect out there. So a couple of things about that. Let me start by saying that a lot of attorneys go out and speak about this topic, which I am not one of them, so th this is not going to be a, you know, advice what to do, uh, by all means. They talk about you always have to own real estate through an entity because it will give you the asset protection you're looking for. Um, you know, uh, and, and you know what? I would agree with that. There is, a, there is truth to it. I am not disputing that at all. The problem is when you buy residential rental properties with a mortgage, the mortgage lender in 99% of the time will not lend to um, an entity, only to an individual. So here you are, you set up this nice LLC in some, you know, this state or another state, and then you go out to buy properties and you actually go with your entity, LLC, or another entity and to qualify for a loan. In that case, the lender will say, no loan to you, okay? And you may be able to find a lender that will lend on, you know, to your loan, but the terms will be not as even close, closely good to the one that you can get on your own. So right there, inherently, we have a problem, okay? How do we deal with that problem? There are a couple of ways. First of all, if you're buying cash, you know, no mortgage, you can buy however you want, entity or not. Um, so that's one, one option. Um, if you're buying cash, and you plan to have a refinance in the future, then you definitely need to give it some time and some thoughts. Sorry, some thoughts, okay? Because that will be a problem. Some people, uh, what they do, uh, you know, and I don't know if it's right or wrong, and, you know, there's a little bit of mechanic, they buy under their own name with a mortgage and then transfer title um, to the entity. And, they, you know, when they do that, they are not always aware that... <coughs> um, they're not always aware that they're actually breaching contract with the lender um, and, um, um, and, they're, they're, uh, um, and they're maybe uh, jeopardizing title, you know, something with the title, title insurance. So it's not that trivial to go and just transfer title after, after the fact. You have to understand what are the consequences of doing so, okay? Now, if you're buying, if you're doing a flip, if you're doing cash, if you're doing commercial, then probably using an entity would be easy. If you're using hard money loans or private private money, you know, using entity would probably be easy and doable, um, and not something that uh, that will uh, 
that will uh, uh, prevent you from doing it. Traditional conventional mortgages, which are usually the best terms you can probably get, uh, they won't let you use um, entities. So it's got to be under your own name. Now, when you own under your own name and you're concerned about you know, liability or, or, or some of those things like asset protection, remember, you have insurance on the property or you should have insurance. You may have uh, uh, an umbrella insurance on the top of that. You know, be one of those owners that take care of the properties and not neglecting. So when this, when uh, when uh, when something happens, you can actually um, when something happens, you can actually um, um, you know uh, fix it. And you need to fix it and not let it sit there. So ideally, using an entity could work. It's for me. It's like another type of insurance policy. Uh, in reality. Um, you, it's it's more more challenging to use, and it's not a, you know it's not a black and white kind of a you know answer. That's uh, I I hope uh, that answers what you're uh, you know what you wanted to know um, with your first question. The second thing is there a limit to the number of mortgages a private person can get? Well, yes and no. Um, the simple answer is. You can probably, you know, you can probably go up to ten mortgages rather easily. I wouldn't say, you know, easily, but rather easily. The f typically first, first few, first, the first four mortgages are considered easy. They're never easy, right? The second set is a little bit more challenging, not, not, you know, you know, impossible. And beyond ten, it's got, it's got to be, uh, uh, it's going to be more, more difficult or more challenging. But when you get to that point of you have 10 mortgages, um, there are solutions out there to be, you know, I call it creative solutions to, to buy real estate with mortgages. Uh, it's not as easy as the first 10, but it's uh, doable. And when we work with our investors, uh, we try to set them up in a way that will make it as easy as possible for them to get as many mortgages as they can. Uh, and not get stuck, you know, on, on the first few. There are a few things we, you know, we do, we suggest to our investors, you know, uh, to do in order to delay the day of those challenging mortgages. But the important thing is that you need to understand there are ways to go around it. There are uh, ways you can do when you get to 10 mortgages, what you can do beyond that. It's challenging, but doable. And there are ways you can say, you know what, I, I already own two properties, three properties, and you're at the point you say, but I want to jump to the next level and I want to buy more properties without the hustle of the of these mortgages, then there's a different route we can take and maybe go and buy portfolio of properties a little bit more challenging. Normally, the beginner is not comfortable with tackling the portfolio first, but only after they bought one or two properties, you know, and they got used to see how everything operates and say, okay, now I'm ready to go after buying a portfolio. So there are ways to go around it. Sooner or later, we can, you know, we can tackle those ways. We work with our investors, uh, the more advanced ones, the more experienced ones, how to, uh, you know, overcome those challenges. But I, the one thing I want you to know is that once you hit 10 mortgages and you have no option of going with a more creative route, then there are options how to, to be more creative about it, no doubt. Hopefully that helps uh, uh, answer your questions. I'll wait for another minute or so to see if there are more questions. Great question, Daniel. I really appreciate it. And if we um, see that there are more, we'll be, uh, I'll, I'll address them, of course. And if not, we're going to do, uh, we're going to wrap it for today.
Okay, very good. So let's wrap for today. Uh, we talked about investment plan or vision. We talked about uh, setting up your own investment criteria as a baseline to compare every property you're looking at. And we uh, also talked about using entities, the challenges of using entities, uh, and the number of mortgages one can have. So we covered quite a lot. I really think want to thank Daniel for the two, two great questions. I want to thank you for spending your Friday morning, afternoon, evening with me. And with that said, I want to wish you happy rest of your day. Have a great weekend. We'll see you again in one week, uh, one week uh, uh, Friday, um, 11 p.m. Pacific time. If you want to speak with us in person uh, with me, let us know through the web, through the email, through uh, anywhere, and we'll set up a time gladly to speak with you just to maybe see if what we offer, the services, the support we offer uh, is something you are interested in and it fits what you're looking for. Have a great weekend. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.